0: hello all. welcome to the lunar ceasefire cartoon fan podcast this is episode 377 and today we'll be talking about both an or beast and best frogs from amphibia i'm gc13 and i'm david oh i'm so
1: happy we finally got to the frog show yes frog show i love frog show very very much um i started watching amphibia sometime last year definitely in the middle of covid i sort of was in like uh empty space in media and really you know honestly just kind of empty place in life where we probably all were and oh the frog show how the frog show so wonderfully gave gave me a family to fixate on and uh, a a beautiful journey to watch i love this first season of amphibia so much and i'm so excited to start talking about
0: it i love this frog show (laughs) polly sprig hop hop for me, Amphibia was always that show that the trolls on 4chan liked to use to hit Infinity Train over the head with. And it's like, uh, ah, you know, the screenshots they're posting look really cool. I should probably watch that at some point. Well, some point has arrived.
1: I love completely ignoring discourse, which involves using one show to uh, complain about another show. <laughs> so that's unfortunate that uh, that was your first glimpse into Amphibia's world. But... I'm glad it didn't dissuade you in any way, and I love Infinity Train and I love Amphibia, but I really love Amphibia. Get out of here, 4chan trolls.
0: They were just sharing their love of amphibia in the most 4chan way possible. So Yeah. <laughs> I will say as uh since you know we're doing a double bill, Amphibia, and the Owl House, I can't help but compare the first, you know, twenty-two minutes of Amphibia to the first twenty two minutes of Owl House. Neither of them were what I was expecting. I feel like Amphibia feels like these are proper show episodes or the Owl House is like, no, it's not going to be like this for a while yet. Or I don't know, something feels off about the Owl House, whereas this feels like this is what an episode is like. Yeah, th-
1: there's no piloty feel to this. Uh, only in the very beginning, sitting in the cart, getting our character introductions to Polly and Sprig, do we really get kind of the, openers that remind me of like the opener to avatar it's not magic it's bending like very simple explanations (laughs) of exposition yeah Yeah, in, in this case like character exposition giving us a sense of that polly is the surprisingly loud and gruff tiny tadpole and sprig is absolutely not responsible and oh all those horrific scenes you just watched that was just yesterday's bad day (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a, I, they did they do that a few times where the the yeah yesterday was a tough day i I also liked the whole no seriously they can train a body in seconds like i when they when they did that don't like the bedbugs fight i was waiting for him to come back and say i mean it
1: <laughs> i yes i really enjoy the frog show and i enjoy that many of the jokes get to be based around that they're frogs like sprig Being unable to smell the key that that Anne says, smell this, and he just licks it (laughs) after faking Mm. smelling it. It's really wonderful. Uh, The jokes land for me more. Uh, I don't want to do too much comparison against Owl House, even though it's really easy to because they're both Disney Channel shows about, you know, potentially magical girls going to another dimension and, you know, doing things. So, but, oh man, I I just, there's something about the comedy that really lands with me. Hapodaya, Planter, and, and his grandkids are just deeply funny uh, people. And I would say this opener's a little less on the nose, well, the first episode anyway. The second one is definitely on the nose with friendship.
0: There's no conformatorium, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, they, they still do a similar thing here where the premise of why Anne is in this world is introduced and she basically spells out for us exactly how she's feeling yeah. about it without you know even though it's not directly telling sprig about it it's definitely directly telling the audience and whatever i'll take it i i like this start as her
0: character they made it very clear what kind of relationship she had with alpha female sasha and when you find her in that uh jail cell or whatever you want to call it where she's being held you're like eh. You know, she seems to not be having a great time. I'm sure this won't come back to bite anybody in the butt later. Cause when I saw the picture, I'm like, Eh, I think that's the one from the from the photos I've seen. Cause when Steven Universe Future aired, uh Yellow Pearl got a suit of armor for her for her wedding day, and so everyone is posting pictures of Sasha wearing armor. And so you see, it's just like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognize this character now.
1: <laughs> it's a good setup from episode well, two, though. I mean, but, you know, whatever. This pair. I like that, you know, the first hint we get about both of Anne's friends. We don't really know, you know, who's more influential. It seems both of them are encouraging her to steal the magic box from the thrift store in the flashback. But, you know, the fact that she, you know, maybe has friends that um push her to do things that friends shouldn't really make each other do. You know, literally having somehow framed in Anne's mind that friendship is about getting things that your friends want. And yet she's in a sympathetic position, especially given that she apparently was, she referring to Sasha, was holding back information from
0: yeah. the evil, uh, you know, dude that we see at the end. Who, by the way, voiced by the voice of Van Kleiss from Generator Rex. <sighs>
1: Oh, yes. And if we're going to mention voice actors, can I just say how awesome all four of the main characters in this show are uh, as far as like how in, you know, Polly and Hop-Hop's case, they're much more like cartoony nature makes them instantly lovable and hilarious and Sprig's go get attitude and the like hilarious relatability of Anne. Oh my gosh, it melts my heart every time, every single time.
0: Yeah, I I thought for sure I had heard Anne's voice before, but I, I checked the Wikipedia page and she doesn't have any credits I'd be familiar with. But who did have a credit I was familiar with was the voice of Wally, who had, thought there was something to it I couldn't quite place. He's the guy who voiced Private from the Penguins of Madagascar, which I loved that series. <laughs> and now that I watch it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's Private.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. Such a good, I uh, yeah, I love the mayor, I love everyone, I love that they think Anne is a horrific monster, and then there is a horrific monster, but she beats the horrific monster. There is a moment, there is a two-second thing that occurs in this episode that I guess uh, if, you're, if you're, for some reason, listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the series yet, you know, skip this uh, next 30 seconds, but I couldn't believe that they had uh, Anne's eyes Her pupils changed color to blue for like two seconds as she was defending Ah, Sprig from the mantis. I noticed that. It's a weird detail that means nothing until uh, the finale of season two. And I was taken aback that this happened because the show does have, um, as we'll see in future episodes, background lore, sort of like background storytelling. But I think that overall, the show is less mysterious and less reserved than like Steven Universe or Gravity Falls, it definitely places things in your hands more. I think it's a little more like a children's show from that point of view, but I'm taken aback because this is the first time I haven't watched any of the episodes more than once until now. I'm going to be rewatching it as we cover the episodes, and I was like, no way. They put in a hint about uh, Anne this early on, and I I only briefly got to Google some discussion before recording. Looks like some fans had been catching on, but I don't I don't know if this is super widely discussed yet. So very very excited to be on the lookout for more hints like this along the way to reward a, a
0: rewatch. Well, I'm glad to know that that, that is paid off in the future, because I was definitely intrigued by that. Yep, it does have a meaning. <laughs> None as you
1: know, in Steven Universe we also focused a lot on the uh eyes and pupils of gems, and I I think There was less to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. But that was, I don't know, I never got the sense that that meant anything. It was just, uh, there was no discernible pattern. I mean, Connie was Yellow Diamond, clearly,
1: right? So, diamonds in her eyes. (laughs) Uh, No, Priyanka was Yellow Diamond, so. Yeah, exactly. So, not not quite. You know, it's really like four levels deep of symbolism. (laughs)
0: So we're talking about that scene with the praying mantis. I liked the, you know, I'm not even sure if it was the uh, giant mantis that scared the other one off. They really make it look like the green ones just, huh, comparing, huh, they're taller than me. Okay, I guess I'll leave. (laughs) And then the other one just jumps. I don't know. He could have been looking up and saying, wow, that guy's ready to jump on them. I don't want to be anywhere near here when they land. So that's also possible. I don't know. It was a funny line.
1: Uh, Yeah, you know. Without analyzing that part too much, the actual monster itself makes me think of, I love the balance the show strikes with what is horrible and threatening and is constantly present in their world. And all the frogs are okay with it, and Anne is not yet too disturbed by it.
0: I mean, they had one frog carried off to its death in the town in the <laughs> the opening sequence. Right. So. This is just a horrific place.
1: Carried off to its death like the giant... Were those the giant lightning bugs or something else?
0: Uh, no, not the lightning bugs. It was... I can't remember what bug it was.
1: But yeah, we, we see several several giant horrible things and it, it's the humor that they get off of it is great. I mean, this is a harsh world despite how cute the frogs are. Evidenced by the fact that the mayor can very quickly rile up the, the mob of the town going, When I say kill, you say it. which is lovely and i think that that kind of um it's dark but it's silly and there's something about the way that amphibia is doing the darkness jokes (laughs) that that really land with me for some reason i guess because they're
0: frogs um (laughs) but yeah they're frogs living in a bright very wonderful color palette on the world and then yet it's like you would expect this to be very desaturated, very dark color palette. But no, no, very bright, very heavily saturated. I love it. It's it's the right kind of goofy. Like, you know, Wally saying
1: that they needed to harvest the toenails of the <laughs>
0: of the monster Not for that medicinal they catch. purposes. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, and Anne does so well to bring that naturalistic conversational voice in the middle of this cartoon. It's it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> I, I liked that she was out there living her best survival game life out there. She wasn't just, you know, crying in a bush somewhere. She was like she had built herself a spear. She knew how to catch a snare trap. She detected Sprig when he was on her trail and set the snare trap without him noticing.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to be on the lookout through the rewatch again about why she would particularly have such good survival skills, because I... Was she in scouting? Like, I don't want to sound like a bad amphibia friend, but honestly, I watched the first two seasons and it's been like over six months or longer. And I just barely started with watching uh, the first episode of the third season. But I feel like a little dusty on some of my knowledge, especially on Anne. So we'll have to see if that actually makes sense with her character. But she at least this at least telegraphs to us that she's a competent, quick thinker who is uh, not really helpless in this world, which is good. And, you know, it's funny that she's the one who wandered into this other dimension, and yet she's immediately like a older sister figure to Sprig. That sets up a interesting dynamic to be played on later, you know? Versus, you know, that, yeah. like, she's she is the vulnerable one, but she's also older, or at least seemingly acting older than, you know, Sprig and Polly... And uh, she'll also be placed against Hop-Hop later, too, uh, as a debate of (laughs) who's more responsible and knowledgeable, (laughs) etc. So I I don't know. That's, like, cool to do. Whereas, you know, when, like, Luz comes into the world of the Boiling Isles, clearly she's out of her element. (laughs) And And she's
0: overwhelmed immediately.
1: Yeah. So, you know, and both of those setups are great. So it's cool that the Frog Show can start differentiating itself quickly for this genre.
0: So I'm just is her cell phone actually gone after she dropped it in the water i've been wondering that or does it mysteriously Uh reappear later
1: so yeah cell phone was the first one i know gc would want to talk about uh because i that's what i was thinking too i don't i i feel like they have to recover it at some point if they don't ever recover it that's kind of lame because it's like why even show her dropping it but of course as the first season progresses you'll probably be Banging your head against the wall, wondering what type of earth Anne comes from, where the cell phone battery can last for weeks and weeks and weeks, when she's clearly not trying to reserve her battery in any way. Now, it will eventually come up that her battery can die, but you'll be wondering why didn't they write an explanation earlier, because once they actually fix the problem of her phone battery dying, you'll be thinking seriously
0: (laughs) if we were all wondering why it was dying why didn't they handle it sooner because i was thinking about the same thing that jesse had in infinity train it's like he's just snapping selfies with every single uh animal he finds and without a concern for his battery but that kind of makes sense because the infinity train is built to have kids wandering it so they're probably charging stations all over the place wherever they Wherever they get their food, wherever they take their showers, they probably have little USB charging stations too. It makes sense.
1: Like, I'm spoiled. Steven Universe explained why Steven was wearing the same t-shirt all the time. And so now I walk into cartoons and I'm going, hey, you got a phone that always operates? You better show me that character, you know? Charging that phone. Even though, of course, I never worry about if the characters are using the restroom or whatever. Things that, you know, we don't write into shows. But, of course, when you go to a magical frog world...
0: That sounds like something they would write into Amphibia, actually. You know, kind of like how in Avatar, where they had the, wow, everything really does freeze in there. (laughs) I mean, Steven and Connie also deal with the
1: reality of bathrooms and eating, you know,
0: within the course of the show, but... (laughs) Just, you you know, frogs would have very different bathrooms than what she was used to. You'd expect some snide comments.
1: You know, that's a good point. I don't know if we ever see a frog bathroom in this show. They really might have skipped out on <laughs> making a joke about that which could be horrifying
0: remember what a big deal it was when we saw inside of steven's bathroom they that was a big deal that was uh that was worth top billing in the episode description and for no other reason did it get that
1: i don't think we're gonna be seeing like lemon grabs uh prison toilets you know after you see those from adventure time the uh <laughs> What do you you even call those things? What you would rub a lemon against in order to produce juice from it. A juicer? That seems like the appropriate word.
0: I feel like I remember seeing that, and I feel like I remember being disturbed.
1: Yes. So, you know, after you do that joke, what are you going to do? Frogs just go to the bathroom outdoors. There's just no if, ands, or buts about that. Although they must have a room indoors because the night is scary. Well,
0: if they don't bathe, then what are the odds? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs)
1: but uh yeah Uh, of course i'll also be annoyed the whole time that anne has leaves and twigs in her hair all the time yes
0: that's just something you'll have to live with (laughs) that is like her iconic look but why are they always there (laughs) it is frustrating i mean i guess she liked that one root maybe she's just keeping it there to eat it like as a emergency ration the leaves
1: don't bother me as much as that stick does it really (laughs) it really does bother me And I enjoy it. I enjoy that someone out there, maybe Matt Brawley, if he designed them himself, you know, tortures us with this. (laughs) You know, he knows that this very appealing character also will just have this annoying
0: thing that we constantly want to pull out. But, uh, you know, we live. Insert the ultimate power Palpatine meme image here. (laughs) So were you
1: worried that the frogs... Could communicate with humans seamlessly? Or have you gotten over that since
0: gems can speak English? I mean, I think it's just kind of a necessity for having a TV show. Uh, They could have the explanation, like, be part of the show, or they could just go their whole lives without ever mentioning, how come they understand each other perfectly? I I was actually thinking, you know, because when I watched it the second time, I know that you have this other darker side to the frog world. Um with what's his name? What the credit said his name was Grime and mm-hmm. Sasha there, and I'm like, huh, she mentions cannonball. And I'm like, huh, you know. You have the idyllic, rustic portion of the country, and then you can have the martial cannony soldiery part of the country. And it's like, maybe she should have wondered why does he not ask what a cannonball is. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, that's kinda like you go and watch Avatar and some of their idioms clearly could have only existed in our world uh so yeah uh, yeah there's always hand waving to be done with certain words and terms and yet you know clearly you can write rules into your show about it like i don't think uh a gem would have known what a cannonball was but they also weren't ever sure if they knew what singing was or not and that was never quite explained although you could you know wave your hand and say classism and casts and whatever so whatever, I'll hand wave and say magic and the box makes all the girls be able to talk yeah. frog. But uh, apparently it works, you know, the the other way
0: uh, as well. So I don't know. Now the, in the, I, I liked the, just the whole comedic sequence of the these, let's, we could try uh, tasting hot pops, you know, death peppers. They're so spicy. They'll make you wish you were dead. And then he has this long drawn out sequence of, you know, oh my gosh, this is too hot. Just kill me. And then, okay, your turn. <laughs> no, I'm just going to go to the lake. And then he's, he's uh, grabbing the peppers. He's about to do it again. And it's like, ooh. <laughs> that is Sprig.
1: You got to love Sprig. <laughs> that is... The other kids don't get him. But I love how uh, quickly we develop and both need for an actual friend that is her peer. And also a little bit of that older sister role. It's so nice to see it so quickly. It's too bad that she, we had to start developing it by her leaning into her old bad habits. And I don't think Sprig gets the impact of Anne asking him to do something that he shouldn't have despite his pleading. But whatever, they'll have plenty of more opportunities to develop a healthier
0: friendship later on. Yeah, they they seem to really like the fake outs, like with him faking out, on the, OK, fine, I guess I'm not going to be your friend if this is going to mean being subjected to peer pressure all the time no 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 i'm totally okay with the peer pressure let's go yeah (laughs) a lot of fake outs in these two episodes yeah well we'll see if the humor continues to track that
1: way and i have a feeling that a lot of it is based on that and you know what it may be cheap but i'm here for it because a lot of the time it lands it has to be uh you can't overuse
0: it and if it becomes too expected all the time then that cheapness really starts to to wear thin Eh, i don't know Something I've learned from uh, being a fan of All Elite Wrestling is just because I know where the story is going, or in this case, I guess, just because I know a joke is coming, doesn't make it any less satisfying when it hits. I mean, sometimes knowing that a joke is coming makes it all the better, especially if they can give just enough of a twist. Like I said with the bedbugs that I knew that joke was coming and it came basically exactly how I, I mean, they, they, the exact words were different, but I knew what the thrust of the joke was going to be. And you know what? It was funny. Mm-hmm. And if you like that, uh, guess what? Anne is trapped in this valley for two months. So get ready for a wonderful, idyllic vacation. Oh yeah, I'm sure nothing bad is ever going to happen to anyone in this world. Except for Sasha. <laughs> she seems to not be enjoying her vacation very much. Probably should call her travel agent. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she can use Anne's cell phone.
1: <laughs> I mean, Luz has had cell reception through
0: the... You know, planes of existence. I don't. I don't know if Anne was so lucky. I mean, how do we know Eda just didn't set up cell tower repeaters accidentally? Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Anne or Beast and Best Fronds. Join us next week. Until then,
1: I'm GC13 and I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon related content, please visit lunarceasefire.com.